0: no other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the bible
1: welcome to simply the bible the through the bible teaching program of pastor daryl zachman of calvary chapel treasure valley today we see where the lord exposes the iniquity of ephraim they are hot like an oven but they do not return to yahweh instead they rely on the nations in futility we hope you join us as pastor daryl continues in hosea chapter 7 on Simply the Bible.
0: God's heart was broken over Israel, whom he considered to be his unfaithful wife. But rather than wanting to punish her for her harlotry, God longed to be merciful toward her. If only she would return to him in true repentance. We continue in Hosea chapter seven. When I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was uncovered. And the wickedness of Samaria. For they have committed fraud. A thief comes in. A band of robbers takes spoil outside. They do not consider in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. Now their own deeds have surrounded them. They are before my face. They make a king glad with their wickedness and princes with their lies. And so we see here that God was calling out Ephraim which was the premier tribe of the northern kingdom of Israel, and Samaria was the capital city. And God says that their iniquity was uncovered, and they had committed fraud. Really, they were full of liars. And thieves were on the inside, robbers were on the outside, but they did not consider that God remembered all their wickedness. I think that's a common problem that people Think that because they put something out of their own mind or it's been a long time that God has forgotten about it. Listen, God does not forget our sins. He lives in eternity. He cannot forget our sins. The only way he forgets is when he chooses to remember them no more because we put them under the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's atonement for our sins. And and then he will uh, choose to remember them no more. But God said, I remember these things. It is your own deeds that have surrounded you. And that's what so often happens. God gives to us his commands. He sets the boundaries for us because he knows that if we ignore his laws, then there are going to be consequences that result. And now their consequences had caught up to them. They had sown to the wind and reaped the whirlwind. Their sins are before my face. So God was seeing it all. Of course, God does see everything, but they had done all of these things openly. They weren't even trying to hide it anymore. They pleased their leaders with wickedness and lies. You know, a nation is corrupt when the leaders, rather than calling out sin and punishing sin, approve of it. They approve of lies. They approve of wickedness and cursing and so forth. And so that just leads to complete corruption throughout a society. Verse four, they are all adulterers. Like an oven heated by a baker, he ceases stirring the fire after kneading the dough until it is leavened. In the day of our king, princes have made him sick, inflamed with wine. He stretched out his hand with scoffers. They prepare their heart like an oven. While they lie in wait, their baker sleeps all night. In the morning, it burns like a flaming fire. They are all hot like an oven and have devoured their judges All their kings have fallen. None among them calls upon me. And so God, first off, says that they are all adulterers. Their sexual passions were unbridled. They flaunted them openly. But the whole idea here is that the sin was like boiling beneath the surface. It was just they were hot with sin, with passion, with murder, and it was just beneath the surface. And so they were like an oven heated by the baker. He gets it warm, and then he stops stirring the fire so uh, he can have the dough rise. And then, of course, he would bake it later. But there was such a fire going on in their hearts that they would just sort of calm down for a little bit, but then they would be stirring up the fire again. Now, the princes were getting drunk and associating with scoffers. Now, speaking of these verses, James Montgomery, Boyce, writes, they refer to intoxicating feasts where such adulteries were most likely to occur. What God is saying is that these were not the innocent or harmless acts between consenting adults that our society makes them out to be, but were actually passions inflamed by sin that eventually destroyed the one affected by them. And so while they were drinking, and then the scoffers and murderers really were preparing their hearts with their evil plots, they would lie in wait, really getting the princes and the kings drunk, and then they would pounce on them. And and of course, there were so many different kings in Israel. Now, Judah had one dynasty, the dynasty of David, but Israel, the northern kingdom, had nine different dynasties, and some of their kings would only survive for a matter of months before they were assassinated. And all of this was happening and it was evident that there was no security. Everything was messed up and yet no one calls to me for help. The Lord said, verse eight, Ephraim has mixed himself among the peoples. Ephraim is a cake unturned. Aliens have devoured his strength, but he does not know it. Yes, gray hairs are here and there on him. Yet he does not know it. And the pride of Israel testifies to his face, but they do not return to the Lord, their God, nor seek him for all this. So Ephraim had mixed himself with other nations, with the peoples, with the worship of their gods. And God says Ephraim is half-baked, like a cake unturned, uh, or a pancake that's burned on one side and raw on the other. Israel had no continuity, no integrity, was good for nothing. She was burned by her passion on one side and spiritually immature, on the other side and is that not true of many of our leaders today they are half baked they are worldly wise and corrupt on one side but spiritual babes on the other side where are the leaders and statesmen today who have integrity and piety where are those who have wisdom like serpents but who are innocent as children if we had more such leaders then there would not be such a high turnover but people quickly discern that their leaders are corrupt or shallow or both, and then toss them aside in pursuit of a new candidate. But is this one any better than the former? So God said, foreign gods, aliens have sapped your strength, but you don't even know it. You don't realize that you are old, that your hair is gray and that death is imminent, that The nation was dying and they were not even aware of it. They didn't know that they only had a few days left before the Assyrians would come and take them captive. Their pride testifies against them. Rather than being ashamed of their immorality, they were flaunting it as something to be accepted and they were glorying in their shame. And when a nation flaunts its immorality in pride, then destruction is imminent. Because pride comes before a fall. So, all of these things were happening in the nation, yet they did not return to the Lord their God. And as we look around us and we see what's happening in our nation, we see the rampant immorality being flaunted everywhere. Uh, We in the church ought to be meeting for earnest prayer. That is the recipe for revival. God tells us that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then God will respond. He'll heal the land if we'll turn from our sins. And honestly, I think that the prayer meetings should be the most well-attended meetings that we have, but they are not. And that just shows that there's a coldness, there's a prayerlessness in the hearts, even of the people in the church today. And you know, I, I love the quote from J. Vernon McGee. He says, there's two ways to clear out the church. One is to yell fire, and the other is to yell prayer meeting. But really, as we look and see that our nation is really close to the end, destruction is imminent, we ought to be praying earnestly to the Lord. Ephraim also is like a silly dove, without sense. They call to Egypt, they go to Assyria, Wherever they go, I will spread my net on them. I will bring them down like birds of the air. I will chastise them according to what their congregation has heard. So God said that they were silly, like senseless doves. They didn't know any better. They would chase after the other nations to Egypt or to Assyria, and they couldn't make up their mind who they would turn to for help. And they would seek the help of these who would ultimately become their enemies, but they would not turn to Yahweh, their God. Therefore, God would spread his net on them. He would trap them like silly, senseless doves. But he would not trap them to kill them or to eat them. (laughs) Rather, he would catch them in their folly so that he could chasten them. And this he would do according to what their prophets had already told them uh, by the hand of the Assyrians. But if only they had been listening, then they would have repented and God could have turned from this judgment." Woe to them, for they have fled from me. Destruction to them, because they have transgressed against me, though I redeemed them. Yet they have spoken lies against me. They did not cry out to me with their heart when they wailed upon their bed. So sorrow awaited them because they had fled from the Lord. Israel should have run into the arms of her husband. Uh, Instead, like Hosea's unfaithful wife, Gomer, she ran away from the Lord and into the arms of her other lovers. So God said that destruction was upon them. It was inevitable as the consequence of their rebellion. God said that I would redeem them, but they spoke lies about me. Rather than recognizing that it was God who was their Redeemer, they just lied about Him. They wailed on their beds because they were in misery. They didn't like what was going on around them, but they would not cry to the Lord. they cried cry to their gods, their idols, but not to their Lord who had redeemed them from Egypt. They assemble together for grain and new wine. They rebel against me, though I disciplined and strengthened their arms, yet they devise evil against me. They return, but not to the Most High. They are like a treacherous bow. Their princes shall fall by the sword for the cursings of their tongue. This shall be their derision in the land of Egypt. So they assemble themselves there are Greek translations that say they gash themselves for grain and wine, which would have been according to the pagan ritual of seeking to appease Baal, the storm god, to give them a better crop. They would gash themselves, literally. Uh, I strengthen their arms. I'm the one who strengthened their arms, yet they devised evil against me, and they do not return to the Most High God, but rather they are like a treacherous bow. Now, the bow could be faulty if it was not made right. And when you went to go shoot an arrow, it would not shoot it where you wanted it to go. Therefore, it was dangerous to the archer who relied on it because he could get shot at uh, and couldn't shoot back appropriately. And so God said, I, you're good for nothing. I can't use you uh, for any purpose because you're a treacherous bow to me. The princes curse with their tongues. Now, the princes you know, should have been blessing people in the name of God, but instead uh, they were foul-mouthed, and that's always a bad sign uh, for leaders, and they shall be cursed in Egypt. And so they would look to Egypt, but after the Assyrians came in, many of them would actually go into Egypt, and there they would be cursed by the Egyptians. Hosea had a lot of hard stuff to say to the people of Israel, but I believe he has much to say to our present culture as well. If God would not spare his own chosen people when they turned away from him and shamelessly indulged themselves in their sexual perversions and drunkenness, then what makes us think that God will spare us from judgment? And yet God is merciful. He longs to show us mercy. He desires to bring healing But we must do our part. We must confess our sins and return to him with all our hearts and and earnestly pray if we would save ourselves and our nation before it's too late. We may have already gone past the point of no return, as did the nation of Israel before us, but I pray that it's not too late.
1: You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. To listen to previous episodes, check out our Simply the Bible podcast, and please leave us a review. That helps a lot. Tomorrow we will look at Psalm 110, where David prophesies about the future reign of the Messiah. He is a priest in the order of Melchizedek, and David's own Lord. We hope you'll join us as we continue teaching in God's Word on Simply the Bible.